internet, you're tuned in to episode 124 of the podcast. I'm your host, Peter Messi, joined as always by my very good friend, Mr. Stephen Radford. Hello. So, Steve, uh, before, we, before we jumped live here, I, I looked something up uh, that I thought would be a funny bit. And uh, I'm not going to lie to you, it ended up a little funnier than I thought it might. So, I... So I was like, ah, it's episode 124. Like, that's such a, like, boring number. You know, like, 125 feels like, that's, like, milestone adjacent. You know, it's like, yeah. that feels like a big number. And I was like, 124, very, very lame. I was like, which Pokemon is number 124? Can I be like, this is the, this is the Onyx episode or whatever. And, and I looked it up, and it's Jinx, which is... <laughs> Not the Pokemon you want to associate yourself with, I'll tell you that much. So I'm glad that uh, the only controversial Pokemon is the one that was I go I just shot from the hip, and you know what? They don't always play out, but uh, this is pretty funny, I guess. <laughs> so uh, this Jinx is not Mister Mime. Like I was searching forever for Jinx and Mister Mime on on uh, Pokemon Go. I like I like Mr. Mime. He's creepy, but he doesn't make me like uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> Don't they have to recolor Jinx as well at some point. You have to what? They recolored the character. Oh yeah, they re they recolored it like after uh the episode that they're featured in aired in the States and everyone was like, Whoa! <laughs> yeah. No, that is not cool. <laughs> um yeah, so this is not the Jinx episode. Welcome to the podcast, Lewots.com's weekly video game podcast where Steve and I get together and talk about what we're playing, what's going on in the news. We uh, answer questions from you fine folks. It's going to be a good one. Uh, we're on like week three or four or whatever the fuck it is now of just just news bangers. Uh, we got some games to talk about that we played that were fun. We've got news about Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, a game Steve and I are both very nostalgic for getting uh, ported to some some current consoles. Um, we got some sales figures from Nintendo for 2021. And uh, we got the announcement of Nintendo's own, uh, I guess, play for Roblox uh, or, or something. But uh, yeah, it, it's we, we got a lot. We got a lot of good stuff this week, and I'm, I'm excited to jump into it. Uh, so before we do that, let me just quickly tell you where you can find us all around the web. We are, of course, the podcast. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We post every Monday morning, uh, what, 9 a.m. London time, which is 4 a.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, so whenever you wake up, the show's already in your inbox. Go check it out. Uh, you can get us on YouTube. Go give us a like, a subscribe, share the channel with a friend. You know how to do the YouTube stuff at this point. Uh, and, of course, if you want to get some more content from us, head over to twitch.tv slash lootpots, where every week Steve and I are there hanging out, streaming some video games for your amusement. This past week, we did a little Super Mario party with our pals Chewy Plays and Sierra Plus Ultra. It was a great time. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, and, of course, you can also go ahead over to patreon.com slash lootpots, where for just a buck, you'll be able to get access to After Dark, our extra Patreon-exclusive show where Steve and I keep the mics rolling and we talk about like what's going on in our lives, stuff that we're interested in that doesn't necessarily fit within the context of the main show. Uh, this week, we had a great episode. Again, uh, we talked about um, my band's album release party, my experience getting my second uh, vaccine. We talked a little bit about um, the government and billionaires, and it, it, it gets back to some happy stuff after that. Don't worry. Uh, so it was, <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good one. 
<laughs> what did we end with? I can't even remember. We literally just recorded it. You know, we ended with Cheetos. We did. We ended. We ended, we ended with Cheetos and yellow number five. Yeah. Yeah. My twenty-one Cheeto serving. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you're gonna want to go check that out. I think it's well worth a buck. Uh, it's the easiest way to support the show and get a little bit of extra content from us every week. So go check it out. Um, we really appreciate your support. All right, so let's jump into what we're playing. Um, I've got a lot on my list. Extensive list. Let's let's get through some of yours because it's extensive. And, and I think a lot of them we can get through kind of quickly. And um, there's a couple I really want to push on and, and get some thoughts on. Yeah, one so we'll, in particular. We'll <laughs> dig in on the ones you want, and we can we can jump around with the other ones a little bit. Um, so I am chipping away at the same couple games uh, lately. Um, right now, I've been dividing my time between Party Hard, uh, New Pokemon Snap, and Disco Elysium. Um, Party Hard, like, I'm just replaying, so that's kind of just been like a, a TV game at the end of the night. I'm most of the way through the run. Um, like, I, I can't replace this game. I, I thought it was After Party, but it's not. That's the other one. After Party is the game from the team behind Oxenfree. Which is what I thought Party Hard was. What's Party Hard? So Party Hard is a uh, it's a Devolver Digital published game. It's like a top-down uh, pixel art kind of vibe. And the whole thing is you play a serial killer, and each excuse me each board is a party, and you have to kill everybody at the party. And so there sounds a little bit like Hotline Miami. Then. Kind of, but it's more stealth oriented. Um, like it's not like a running gun. And, like, nobody fights back, really. Like, they can. You can get killed. But it's, like, any time that you get caught, right? So, okay. The way you're supposed to do it is covertly kill people. And there's a lot of ways you can do that. Like, if somebody's, like, outside in a spot by themselves, like, you can just stab them and, like, hide their body or leave it out or whatever. And, like, as long as nobody sees you next to the body, they can't connect you to it. Um, Then there's also some other things you can do to, like, break up crowds like if you're at a party and there's a punch bowl like you can poison the punch and kill a couple people that way there's like different environmental things that you can do um like there's like one where it's like outside and like you can like chop down a tree and it can fall on people uh there's like certain ones where there's like a horse outside so it sounds like a 2d hitman kind of yeah it's definitely i would say more akin to hitman where it's very goofy and silly, and it's got like a good sense of humor, even though and are it's there, this like, very morbid. To be? Like, is it like if you do it with the tree rather than you get points, and there's like high scores because it's got that arcadey vibe to it. So like, there's like a combo, right? Like one of the items that you can get is like a smoke bomb, and if you like do that and just go stab a bunch of people real quick, like you'll get a combo multiplier and get a higher score, and That's it's cool. like you're incentivized to play in ways that are more creative. Um, and then, like, if somebody sees you do it, they'll call the cops, and then the cops start chasing you, and you have to, like, maneuver through the house and, like, get away from them quick enough that they, like, don't see you, and then they're like, fuck it, and they just leave and give up. Um, <laughs> like, and, like, oh, yeah. They must yeah. have left. <laughs> yeah. And, like, certain clubs have, like, bouncers. So, like, if they see you trying to go to an area you're not supposed to be in, they'll beat you up and you lose. Uh, if you kill a bunch of people, like if there's a crowd of people and you kill one person and they see you, they'll be like, get them. And they beat the shit out of you and kill you. So it's like you got to be creative. Um, and it, it's I a game that. I really enjoyed on PC when it came out in like 2017 or whatever. Um, I don't even remember how I got it. Like it was like on a whim and I was just like, I really love this game. 
Uh, so when I saw it was on sale on Switch a couple months ago, I picked it up and um, just been chipping away at it again. And it's it's a fun game. I really recommend it if you if it if that kind of thing sounds like it's up your alley. Um, it's seriously it's Pete. When are you fun. when are you playing Hitman? Uh, I'm gonna get it. I've decided I'm gonna get it. Don't worry. I literally have um, what is it? What's the VG codes or whatever site that you use? <laughs> CD keys. CD keys. I have CD keys open. VG code sounds like a knockoff. <laughs> it does. Uh, I have CD keys open, and every day I check it now to see, like, mm, is it where is it at? Because it's at 35 okay. right now, and if I needed a game to play, I would get it at 35, but considering I'm working my way through these games and Mass Effect is out on Friday this week, I'm like, if I buy Hitman right now at $35, I'm going to sit on it, whereas if I wait... I bet you by the time I'm done with Mass Effect or if I need like a palate cleanser, it'll probably cheaper. be a little bit lower and I can get it for an even better deal. Where are you starting? Hitman 3? Yeah, I'm going to just pick up Hitman 3 and then I think I'll buy the the DLC pack to get 1 and 2. And it's I actually might... cheaper just to buy the game. <laughs> it's oh, really? It's madness, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, then I might do that and then play them in order, but I don't know. I'll, I'll feel it out. Because I kind of want to play them in order, but I want to play them in the Hitman 3 engine. The Hitman 3 engine is phenomenal. So I think that might be what I do. Um, but then I've also been chipping away at uh, New Pokemon Snap. That one uh, I kind of like let take a back seat this week because Mass Effect is uh, coming so quickly and I needed to get through the end of Disco Elysium because I want to finish that before, at least my first run, before I start up Mass Effect. And you know you just can't be juggling two RPGs at the same time. Yeah, I, I don't think that that'll be smart. And I know that I have such a, a nostalgia and an affection for Mass Effect and what it does that I think I'm going to really want to like put everything else down and, and focus on that a little bit. So my plan is kind of uh, to wrap up Disco this week and then let Snap become my secondary game while Mass Effect is, is the main event right now. Um, so dis- with Disco, I'm actually like done with it almost. Like I am four days in of 10, um, but you're able to solve it more quickly if you are a good detective and if you like play your cards right. And apparently I've been doing a bang up job because I'm four days in and I've already like lined up the I've gotten to the mission that is like this is the point of no return to move into the end game. Okay. So I paused at that point and I went and uh I started clearing up a, a couple side quests that I wanted to wrap before um before I, I finish things up. So I think what I'm gonna do is probably spend one or two more in game days just closing out the side quests that I haven't finished that I know I want to do. Um, cause there's a few that I just, I'm, I don't, I have no interest in completing because to finish them, you have to do something that feels out of character for my character. So I've just oh, decided. Okay, but you might for the next guarantee. Yes. Yeah. Like there's this, uh, one mission that to, to, to get the information that I would need to get from this character, I need to cooperate with this corporation, um, that I, that feels shady and I don't like, so I don't want to side with them, but also I have to like be mean to a character who's been really really kind to me um so i don't i don't want to do that you know like that's not what my guy would do and like my character has such high empathy that i'm like that just doesn't feel right like that isn't what he would do you know 
Um, it's the so Joja I, Corporation, isn't it? It's that whole, do you go to the Joja Mart or do you do the community center in Stardew Valley? It's more, it's a little deeper than that because the union, which, you know, you know me, I'm a lefty. I would always side with a workers union. Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to bust that union wide open. The head of the union is kind of a scumbag. So it's like, <laughs> nah, neither side is really great. So I, I, I've elected to, I'm not playing sides. I'm just trying to help people. So any opportunity I have to Centralist, help. Centralist, I see. And it's funny, the game accused me of that at one point. It's typical Biden. <laughs> yeah, it was like, oh, you're not taking enough hard stances. And I was like, the hard stances are too extreme. Like, uh, I don't want to. And I'm not, I'm not saying like, let's play both no it's just like both sides are bad <laughs> uh but yeah i i've gotten chummy with people in the union but the head is kind of slimy so i'm like i don't want to mm. help you out because you're kind of i i believe that he has the union's interests at heart but he's also definitely like he's in it for himself as well yeah yeah and like mm. there's some stuff he's doing that will screw over people that aren't in the union and I'm like, well, I don't want to screw people that don't align themselves with you. Like, that's not cool. I'm glad you're looking out for your people, but the other people are also people. So I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to kind of just navigate that. Um, but yeah, so I'm thinking I probably have like another night or so of like worth of doing side quests. And then I'm going to push forward and try to wrap it up. So we'll see what happens. But I, I how, are you, how are you liking it so far? I love it. I it is definitely uh, I I know we've had like the debate of like how do you consider something game of the year like if it came out on other platforms like where does that this I think you can because it's the final cut exactly and I was gonna say I'm gonna let you have it (laughs) if if we're if we're qualifying it by those categories it is it is probably it's probably my number one game of the year contender right now. If I had, are you counting a Mass Effect? There's like a, a remaster. Is that going in there as well? It's uh, tough, isn't it? We'll see. You know, I, I I am inclined to say that the Mass Effect Legendary Edition applies for the same reason because there's significant changes to Mass Effect One, um, and it's kind of like a standard. Is it's kind of like the Uncharted Collection. Where it's like this that is does not count. Uncharted collection does never ever count. You don't think it does? Is, See, I no I way. would say it it I I could understand counting it because there are like changes to the way the game plays. And it's like counting Persona Five Royal didn't change enough in my eyes to make it a new game of the year contender. That's true, which and I why argue, it wasn't included. It and I argued that it didn't count last year, but I put it on my list. But I didn't put it higher on my list. You know what I mean? Maybe like we, maybe the list needs to be games w- that came out that in we 2021 that we played, that we enjoyed. I think that's fair. I know that we've we've been it's evol- it's an evolving process, for sure. But I I I'm coming around to that idea more and more. Cause if the game's new on a platform and you play it there for the first time, like it's new to you, it's new to that community, like I don't know. Either way, uh, it is one of the best <laughs> games I've played this year. I'm really enjoying it. Uh, if you've heard me talk about it over the last couple weeks and it sounds like it's your vibe, if you like, uh, 
you know, classic RPGs that are are really about stats and and pen and paper type roles. Um, I really don't know that there's a game that does it better. I really don't. It's so deep, and you have a lot of control over your character and how you interact with people, and you know your actions have consequences, and like that's the shit that gets me out of bed for video games. You know, like that's the stuff that really resonates with me. Um, so yeah, you, you've got to play the um, Divinity games after this. Really I know. Do. I think I'd really like them. I really do. You would. We should stream those together, maybe. Mm. Oh, definitely. Especially the first one. We can just talk. We can just go to the market and hear the man just telling us about cheese all day long. That sounds great. I love cheese. And he's trying to sell us a wheel of the good stuff. That's what he keeps screaming. That sounds great. I'm I'm in. Mm. <laughs> um. So then, aside from the gaming, like the stuff I was actually playing, I had a few pieces of like games-related media uh, to shout out. Um, that I know you're interested in talking about. So uh, I finished Press Reset. Um, I had two chapters left, I think, when we had last spoke about it. Uh, The last chapter is really, really good. It's really good. Um, Jason gets, like, a little uh, more editorial with it. He kind of, like, takes a stand and makes a case um, about how game development could be handled differently and kind of presents... Now, I'm curious. Did you read the final version or did is this the... I have the unedited version. Okay, because I know from listening to Triple Click that there are two versions of this book that exist. Yeah. And the version you might have is probably a little less positive than the version that is going on shelves. So Jason really? said that the book he sees now as this the the latest vision is a positive story and a story of positivity and how things can change in the industry and how things are going to change. Whereas, because he was saying, Kirk, oh no, Kirk, I think you read an early concept or an early vision of what the book was going to be. Maybe a little less optimistic. So I'm curious as to how that plays out if you read the read I need to reread again. the I guess I need to reread the book. <laughs> That's really interesting. That's cool. Um cuz I do think that ultimately it's a positive story, but it goes to some really negative places. Um but I don't feel like it comes off as like bleak or like doom and gloom. So maybe the version I have is like, maybe Kirk read an even earlier cut than what I read. Quite possibly, yeah. Because um, they sent it to me, like, a few months before printing. So, like, and it says on it, this is not the final version. Make sure you check the final version if you're going to quote it in your reviews. Like, it's very clear that this is not the end cut. Um, but it's pretty close, I think. I don't know. Most likely. I know he said I, he did most of the writing I caught last February. One, I caught one typo in the whole thing. So I feel like there. This is a pretty, yeah, pretty done version. Final. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a super easy typo to miss. Um, so yeah, uh, I, it's a great book. I, I, we talked all about it last week. So go listen to our main topic. I'll have a proper review out uh, tomorrow when you're listening to this, um, or if you're listening to this on Monday. If you're listening to this after Monday, it's already available. Uh, YouTube.com/slash/loopots. Go check it out. Um, I to read this this week, I'm I'm 
going to be picking it up. It's being delivered to my Kindle. I'm super. And I'll be reading the hell out of this. <laughs> I'm really excited for you to read it so we can talk about it. But also, now that I'm done with it, I can start Ask Awada so we can talk about that. So I'm really excited yes. that we can, yeah, yeah kind of do, do some back and forth here. Um, but yeah, I, I just I wanted to shout it out again because it is out this week. You can go pick it up uh, as of tomorrow, um, May 11th. Uh, I I really enjoyed the book. I think it's it's good and it's it's worth reading. And Do you think um, it was better than Blood Sweat Pixels? I think they are both so different. It's hard to compare. Like yeah, like once each individual chapters, this is a single narrative that goes through. And and like I talked about last week, like this one threads them a little bit more, which I guess you could argue is like maybe shows more. Um, I don't know, like, oh, that 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 requires more skill or something like that. But like, they're just different. Like the the stories in the yeah, first go, book go, are, go are less listen connected. To, go and listen to Triple Click this week. I think you'll really enjoy it. I will. Jason yeah, goes into detail about it about how the first book was intentional that he wanted to have these as little snapshots, and it was so funny that he said everyone told me what their favorite chapter was in that first book, which was the human story of Stardew Valley. Yeah. And that's what he wanted to do more of in this follow-up book, which was take these human stories and expand upon them, which is what this ultimately became. And he wanted it to be like a single narrative of this character shows up here. And then like you said last week, you know, this character follows you all the way through the book and yeah. you kind of really like Warren Spector gets name dropped, dropped in like every chapter, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, which is, is and, cool. and, and the story of how this book almost never existed because his uh, contact at HarperCollins quit and he got passed from what? editor to editor to editor. He had five or six editors and then he called his agent and was like, this isn't working. They're going to drop the book. They don't like what I've sent them. Can you help? And within like a week, his agent found a new publisher, set up the interview, with, uh, set up the meet with Grand Central Publishing, and that's why it's now published with Grand Central Publishing and not Hopper Wow, Collins. that's cool. I didn't know that. Um, I really have to listen to that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend the book, and I, I think if you haven't read Blood, Sweat, and Pixels, um, we've talked about it a lot. We've recommended it a lot. Um, so, I mean, there's a chance you're just not going to take the recommendation, I guess. But um, if you're interested in this one from hearing me talk about it, I highly recommend it and Blood, Sweat and Pixels. Personally, um, I think I would probably read Blood, Sweat and Pixels first because I think that there are moments in this book that build on knowledge that you learn in Blood, Sweat and Pixels. Oh, interesting. And I don't it's not required reading by any means. Jason contextualizes them. Uh, as needed so that if you haven't read that book you can absolutely get what you're supposed to get out of this one but like reading about some of the studios in the first book and like the struggles they went through to ship games or or, or not ship games or whatever and then reading the human side of that and the developers on the ground that it affected and 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 how those things spun out um, I think it it makes the narrative a little bit richer so I would recommend uh, reading both of them, but reading Blood, Sweat, and Pixels first if you haven't. Uh, it's also always on sale. So like for I my money, I checked it was like two ninety nine this yeah. week on, on Amazon. It was which great. is insane. For, for my money, pick them both up and and dive into them both at the same time. I think that they are uh, they're imminently easy to read too. Like they're not super long. Um, the chapters are very digestible, and it's it's very like relaxing it's easy to read like if you've read jason's work and you enjoy jason's journalism um you know that 
he's a very good writer and good at writing it in a way that is accessible. Um, and I think it, it's it's an easy read for anybody. And and I think a must read if you want to really um, know more about the industry. And I think especially if you do what we do, if you're a content creator or whatever. Um, I know for me, the more I learn about how games are made, the less patience I have for people that don't and talk about it. So I I think if you are the kind of person who has a platform and shows up and talks about video games every week, you kind of owe it to your audience and to the creators behind the work that you like to do your due diligence and understand what they go through a little bit more so that you can speak from a place of authority. Um, or at least oh, more. I, I 100% agree with that. Like, don't just drink the marketing Kool-Aid and think that everything is going swell and or everything be- is as, as it seems. Or believe bullshit you not- read on message boards or get caught up in, like, yeah. hate trains on Twitter and all that stuff. And, and the thing is, I don't really think our audiences are those kinds of people. I think we've done a pretty good job here of cultivating people that don't operate that way. But I also think that you need to be the change that you want to see in the world. So when you see people you know or who are in your sphere acting that way... If you've read the books and done the research, you can point them in the right direction and correct that behavior when you see it. Um, and I think that that's something that like we as a community do. Uh, oh, the creatives behind the work, right? Of like, if you're informed, um, try to inform other people and try to dissuade some of that that negativity and that shittiness that comes along with this space when it really shouldn't. Uh, then the last thing on my list was at your uh, suggestion, I did uh, start watching Mythic Quest. Oh my god! Yes. I checked out the pilot uh, last week, and I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Um, I like the cast a lot. It's uh, it's it's definitely like a strong group of of characters. Um, I know a few of the actors from either obviously Ashley Birch is in it, and I've talked about how she's like my favorite voice actress. Um, haven't ever seen her act in something since her like YouTube she's channel. She's great though, right? Yeah, she's great. I really liked her character. Um, the chemistry she has with the other tester, it's like very cute. Um, and obviously Rob uh, McEllery is from Always Sunny and, and there's um, Dave Hornsby who is like one of the creative leads on that show and he plays cricket on Always Sunny. So like I'm familiar with some of the players in it. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I thought it was cute. I thought it was it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be um, when they announced it. And when you told me how much you liked it, I was like, okay, it's probably actually good. Um, and I, I dug oh, it. Oh, it's fantastic. I really dug it's it. Really fantastic. It gets better and better. Like the pilot sets it up and you're kind of like not sure if it's going to be, you know, like is this just going to be typical video game fodder? Like it's not actually anything like it. But I think because they've got, like, voice actors from the industry and people who, like, Ubisoft are helping out with all of the, like, animations and things that you see in, in between, um, there are actually people from, from the industry that are able to help and let them know what it actually is like. I think I think something that uh, that helped for me was I remember seeing the marketing material and thinking, like, okay, like, is this going to be kind of like an office thing where, like, Rob McEllery's character is like an asshole egomaniac and like, ah, am I going to be able to... But he is. <laughs> and like, he, he definitely is. Yeah, but like... Iron. I, I think that the first episode does a good job of like also humanizing him in a way of like... He gets very, very much like humanized throughout that show and and it gets to the point where you do get more of a connection with him. And, um, and that, I think, that can be good or bad. 
as I've expressed, like I don't love how much The Office tries to humanize Michael because he's an asshole. Um, so like we'll see how I feel about that. But I I I, don't, I think he's kind of just innocent though. Like Iron's not that much of an asshole. Like he's just he takes credit and he wants like credit and he wants that like this is my game. This is my thing. I'm the creative director. Like that ego this is this is me i created this no one else really assisted yeah and like you see that sometimes like he'll be like oh this is my idea i, I did this and it's like yeah with the help of this team yeah right. <laughs> like- <laughs> and, and like i that i feel like i can see a character growing out of to a point of like i'll like him more and like that's cool and like i don't need to like everybody but like having a shred of humanity helps you know, like when there's that moment where like him in the the first episode is like about him and the, the lead designer having this conflict. Like Poppy. The, Poppy, yeah, having a conflict this whole episode. And she ends up coming back and sees him there in the middle of the night, like struggling to get this thing done because he really wants it to be better. And like he can't and he needs her. And like he has this moment of recognizing like how he's diminishing her and he's like, I can't believe you feel that way. Like I can't do this without you. Like I might be the creative or whatever, but like it all stays up here without us, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, that was something where I was like, okay, like that felt like the real person underneath for a minute versus like the, and then the asshole like shield comes back the next day moments later. (laughs) But, But that to me shows like a depth of character that I'm like, all right, like, yeah, like, let's see where this goes. And I like all the other characters enough to be like, I can have one mega, mega maniacal asshole, you know? Like, <laughs> so I'm interested in it. I'm interested to see where it keeps going. And um, uh, I know um, I just saw news about like the next season and everything. And it seems like it's Start, it came out Friday. Season yeah. two started Friday. I watched the first episode and I was very, very happy with how that episode ended. Yeah, so uh, I'm 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 here for the ride, I guess. So, uh, yeah, thanks for the wreck. Um, okay, so for you, uh, I want to start with Far Cry Five, uh, which you've been playing on Xbox with the uh, benefit of that FPS FPS boost tech. How's it looking? Yeah, so this came out as part of their big. We didn't really touch on it, but last week they dropped seventy four new games into the uh, FPS boost thing. Uh, Far Cry 5 was one of them, which I already had, so I, I booted it up, and and I guess, like, you don't really notice the change, but the first time I booted it up, it didn't boot with FPS boost, because I already had the game installed, and it was in that backwards compatibility mode, so I was like, yeah. oh, this still feels like, you know, it did before, I don't notice any difference, I opened up the menu, and it didn't say FPS boost, so I went into the settings, and put it on, you open it back up, and 60 frames a second just transforms anything for me. It really does. Like, it feels so much flu- more fluid. Like It's just incredible that that Microsoft can just add this after the fact. The hundreds of games now. I think it's like 94 games have FPS boost. They plan on adding it to many, many more. You can play Hollow Knight in 120 frames a second and the developer had to do nothing. I'm so excited. Uh, they announced uh, Mass Effect is going to be 120 on xbox and 60 on on ps5 and i'm like fucking hey oh my god i can't wait to play this game wow. 120 fps <laughs> it's gonna be the first game i actually try to play in 120 i don't know it's the difference i really don't uh, i'm interested to see if you do but for me 60 is the limit i can't notice any more than 60 i 
You know, it's funny though because I remember a time where I was like, ah, the difference between sixty and thirty, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah, yeah, you used to feel that way too. And then you get it, and you're like, what? <laughs> I don't. I feel like it's like when you see 4K for the first time versus when the first time you have a 4K TV in your house and you're using it all the time, and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I get it now. Same with HDR, like, yeah. until I had a decent HDR TV, it was like, oh, this just looks okay. Like, how the fuck was I, how did I play things without this before? It's insane. Yeah. Um, so do you, are, Was that just kind of, like, to kick the tires? Like, do you think you'll keep playing, or did you just want to see what it looked like? So I've I've completed the first region. I've taken down the first, well, I'm about to take down the first guy. Okay. Um, so you mean, yeah. I can't remember his name. But uh, the, the one that calls everyone sinners all the time. Yeah, one of the sons. It's like, I don't think I will continue playing. I was really excited for Far Cry 6 to come out this May. Um, it's been indefinitely delayed. We have no idea when it is going to come out at this point. But I kind of want to save hold it. my Far Cry play for that. Yeah. Um, but McCall has been playing this. I haven't played a Far Cry game before. Oh, man. Got massively into this one. It's um, funny because this is probably my least favorite of the three Recent. of far cry three four and five this is my least favorite yeah. of those as well far cry four is my favorite i really do enjoy three is my favorite story four is my favorite on a systems level mm-hmm. i miss the the radio towers i miss the hunting to craft pouches for your weapons i miss the, heli- like the hunting i miss the really busted helicopters oh the buzzer thing yeah, yeah that you would fly I around oh, there's a lot of stuff those. from that i miss um, I don't miss the weird Shangri-La like trips that used to go on where there was like those red animals that you would follow. They were fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy those. Those were fine. Like I, I don't miss them. I'd say, but like I definitely miss like the exotic animals too. Like that is yeah. something because you know, like you still get attacked by some big animals in five or whatever. But like some I, bears. Yeah, but like I love those moments where you're like, I'm sneaking up on this thing and I'm, I'm going to go attack these guys. And then all of a sudden a fucking tiger attacks you or like a honey badger bites your fucking ankles or whatever. Oh, the fucking honey badgers. My God. They're just like, why are they so difficult to kill? It's the turkeys in Far Cry 5 that just take a phenomenal amount of bullets to kill. It's ridiculous. You don't want to fuck with a badger, frankly. Badger, honey badgers don't give a fuck. We've all seen that video. They're insane. Mm-hmm. They're goddamn insane. They don't care. They have no sense of self-preservation. They'll fucking attack your ass. <laughs> <laughs> but I might, I might try Far Cry Four because I did really like that with uh, AJ Gale and the, uh, the like really camp Indian dude that you're taking down. It was really fun. He wore the pink suit. Can't remember the character's name. Fuck. But he, he was good fun. Something with an M. You won't remember. It's something with an M, but I, yeah, it's like. One of my favorite elements of 4, I think it's 4 anyway, is the DJ, Robbie, right? Yeah, he runs uh, Radio Free Crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I fucking <laughs> love that character. And that was a thing I really missed in, in Far Cry 5 as well. Uh, because, like, you are in America and you're in this, like, siloed place. So, like, there's no radio. There's none of, like... 
And I feel like the radio characters in three and four add so much to the world, you know? Well, that was the whole thing of like you going around and getting the radio tower so you could listen to the radio when you were in that area and it also unlocked the map. Mm -hmm. And they just like lost that from Far Cry 5. You had that one radio tower at the beginning of the game and it was like the character makes a... Uh, like a quip of oh I hope I haven't got to keep doing this and it's just like no 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 this is the only radio tower in the area and you're like oh well that's kind of one of the selves of the older games for me was finding these and solving the puzzles to get to the top I do really love the prepper stashes though and all those puzzles that you get in Far Cry 5 they're good fun yeah. to get the, the perk points and those and the, I like uh, the outposts are probably my two favourite aspects of the game I like the companions too um, I thought that. Yeah, was, I forgot that that wasn't in the old. Yeah, games, that's a it? good like, addition. I used to have the dog go around with me all the time. Yeah, the dog, and then there's like a bear. I got I I would cheeseburger the bear, yeah. and there's peaches the, the peaches Puma? the cougar. A cougar, yeah, it was like a mountain lion. Yeah, I I used to bring that one around with me uh, because they're <laughs> stealthy, but they can do a shitload of damage. Um, and I was like, yes, my fucking dude, peaches. <laughs> yeah, that's who Macaulay takes. <laughs> yeah, that, that part was fun. Um, and it would be cool how you could like have two later. So you have like one on the ground, you could bring like the air support or whatever. Or, like there's like the dude. Yeah, bring Nick Rye with you. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of cool things in five. It's just my, it was my least favorite story, I think. Is that because it's too close to home for you? I don't know. Like, I think that that is part of it. Is that like, I think of Far Cry as being in like a tropical locale. You know, like I like the idea of it being like on an island or like being like in a jungle. And like, cause those are things that are like not familiar to me, you know? Um, And I think that like kind of makes it feel more like an adventure, more exciting or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think it was less the locale because I got into the locale eventually. I think it was more that I just didn't, I don't know, like maybe the first two games aren't realistic, but it was hard. It was harder for me to suspend my disbelief that like this could happen, you know, that like, yeah, right. There's this town that could just be taken off the grid and the government would have no idea and the National Guard wouldn't come. There's no cops and like, you know, it's just... Well, you were going to take them down. Like, that's the beginning of the game as you're going. Right, right. And it's like nobody followed up on that yeah. and nobody checked like, in. That's it's the like, thing. what the fuck? I went to show up yeah. and then I disappear and nobody, nothing happens. Like, that makes no sense. A spoiler for like, a spoiler for like a, what, five-year-old game at this point? Yeah. It is mentioned on the radio that the Americans are busy at war with, I think it's China. And, okay. like, that's what it is. And then the end of the game, the- China drops the nuke. Yeah. And, like, that's the end of the game, um, which is kind of stupid as well. Yeah. But those games are stupid, so I can kind of accept that. And, and you're right. I think the thing for me is, like, this game felt like they jumped the shark because, like, Far Cry 3, right, like, has things that are stupid, but, like, the climax of that game is, like, do you murder your friends and stay here forever, or do you go back to, like, that's serious, like, that's a serious moment, and it feels serious, right, like, the, the you're, like, holding your girlfriend's head in your hands, and it's, like, do you snap her neck or not, like, that is, feels a lot more, like, dire, and, I don't know, you get what I'm saying, um, so yeah, there's actual like repercussions rather than 
there's no real decision to make in this game at the end either. It just is what it is. Yeah, it just happens. So I don't know. Um, we're talking a lot about this old game, so let's move on. Uh, <laughs> you also had uh, the tourist, which let's talk about quickly because we got to move into the rest of the show here. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I was like last on last week's After Dark, I was kind of on that voxel binge. Mm-hmm. Why well, wanted to play a game that was voxels just to see, yeah, what, you know, what we can achieve, Pete, when we make our game. Get some inspiration. Yeah, and I, I picked up The Tourist on Game Pass. It plays at 120 frames a second in 4K. It is fucking gorgeous. Awesome. I genuinely cannot believe how gorgeous this game is. And it's just a real chill thing to play at the end of the day. You're a you're a tourist on holiday on an island. You go to multiple islands. You have to solve puzzles. You have to do tasks for people. Like there's one where someone wants a smoothie, but in order to get the smoothie, you have to find the fruit that's on the island to take to the person to do the smoothie. The people at the party, like the, um, they need to like you need to boost their party level. So you have to like turn the music up, put the lights on, put the foam on. There's like a load of stuff you have to do, um, and it's just good fun. It's um, uh, it's on Game Pass. It's also on Switch. Uh, if anyone's just looking for a little chill thing to play, that's absolutely gorgeous. Like the lighting in this game is insane. Then I'd say definitely check out the tourist. It's tourist with a Y instead of an I. Um, but I'm, I'm having a good time with it. It really caught me, uh, it's style. Like when they first showed it off, um, I, I was very interested in it and I, I don't, I don't remember what it was that like kept me from it. Like I think another game was out at the time or something and I just, I never really got around to it. Um, but yeah, that you're kind of piquing my interest in it again. Is it on Game Pass? It's it's on Game Pass. That's the reason I downloaded it. I was looking for something. I'll have to give it a go. Um, yeah, I, I would say check it out if uh, you're looking for something just small to tide you over until Mass Effect arrives. Cool. Um, then we also, like we said at the top, we played Super Mario Party uh, this week with Chewie and Sierra. I don't want to talk about it too much just because we have a lot of show to get into, but um, it was a lot of fun. First of all, we had a great time. Thanks to both of them for joining us. Uh, you can go check out the VOD. Um, I just wanted to say that if if you were wondering, right? Because I know a lot of people like it came late. A lot of people aren't playing the game anymore or whatever. Um, I just wanted to give us the opportunity to say that it was a great experience. I was surprised by how good the online was. There was really one good. mini game where I feel like we had a significant lag, and everybody was like, "Whoa!" But that was it. Out of like. And it was only for like a slight blip at the beginning, and then after that, it sort of corrected. It kind of rubber banded, and, and we were good. Yeah. yeah, and it was like that's one mistake in like a almost two hour play session. Like, not bad, not bad at all. So, um, if you like saw that and thought about going back to it, but were like on the fence or hadn't given it a download yet or whatever, um, it it gets it gets our seal of approval. I'd say so. Go check it out. Yeah. I just don't know if it's worth waiting for it to go on sale because I do still think there's not enough content in there. I, I'm assuming you already have it with that suggestion. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, all of our original, you know, conversational points about Super Mario Party and how it's a little content light stand. So if you don't want to go spend $60 on it, I don't blame you. Um, but if you do want to play Mario Party online, um, it's it's a good experience. Like it's it's not the best Mario Party, but it's a good Mario Party and you can... Play it online, and that's a new thing. So, um, and uh, I just want to say how you set online up is a little bit obtuse at the beginning. Yes. Start a single player game, go as if you're playing the Mario Party uh, normal board, and then it will let you 
pick online mode and then from there you invite friends using the system level feature and then it kicks you um, out and then <laughs> yeah and then it like boots up into like a separate mode it's really fucking weird but once you're in you're in and, and um, it works well once you're in yeah Okay, so let's jump into the news. Uh, first up, like I said, uh, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance has uh, gotten announced for Switch, Xbox, and PlayStation, and then was delayed for Switch at the very last minute, which is a bummer. Um, the game is due out on Friday. Um, now we don't know when it'll be coming to Switch, but uh, we do know that it has no uh, updated graphics and no online multiplayer so it is very much a straight port um of the original and you know um that is really cool but is also kind of a bummer um oh it's a real crying shame for me because i was so looking forward to streaming this with you and playing through yeah. co-op and to now realize I could only play this like couch co-op. Still great. Still a phenomenal uh, collection of games. And I hope they port the sequels to this. But um, I think for $30, it's a bit of an ask for me, especially when I still own the copy on original Xbox and PS2. If I wanted to play this couch co-op, I could just get that out if I wanted to. Um, considering there's no updated graphics, there's no real pull for me. I don't. I don't feel like the price point is a problem in my mind. I think $30 is a reasonable amount to ask for, for the game on its face. Um, I, I don't when you compare it to stuff like um, the Crash Collection or the Spyro Collection or Bioshock Collection. All of those games come in at around the $30 to $50 price tag. Yeah, but... You can buy, like, the original Bioshock piecemeal or the Metro games piecemeal. They're, like, 15 bucks each, and they're charging double this. Yeah, but I don't I don't think it's fair to compare those things one for one because, like, Black Isle is smaller, you know? I mean, they're owned by Interplay, so they're pretty big. Yeah, that's true. But, like, Interplay doesn't necessarily have as much money as, like, Activision you know or 2k fair enough. yeah and that that's kind of like where i'm coming down on it like i'm not sitting here saying that they're like the little guy but they're littler and like okay, they are small their their stock six cents <laughs> you know what i'm saying like i don't know like i guess my question is like what do you think is a fair price for this game if you're not going to like update graphics or whatever like 20 dollars 20 20 i would have paid 20 and would have been like a an instant like yeah no no problem i would have been a bit annoyed and a bit gutted that there wasn't any um online multiplayer but i can understand that if they would have added online multiplayer that 30 dollar price point i think would have been fair because there is some like you know network stuff servers they're running in the background i think that's the problem though right is like i think i think so for me i agree with you in terms of like yeah i'd rather this game at 20 but I think it doesn't feel bad to me at 30 because $10 is not a huge difference in my mind. I have expendable income, so basic privilege. I get that, that, but it's like but, that it's that difference between $60 and $70 again. It, you know, it really it, it goes from being like an impulse purchase for me to, oh, I've got to weigh up the choice of do I want to get this or do I want to get Pokemon Snap? Or, yeah. And, and I, I totally get and respect that. Like, I'm not even disagreeing with that because I'm not rushing out and buying the game, right? I, I might at some point I did really love this game I wouldn't mind replaying it 
Um, but I think when you get to the idea of like adding multiplayer and stuff or, or updating the graphics, like that takes development costs and resources that I think would balloon the cost up. And if it was like, oh, it has online multiplayer, but it's $60 now. They'd have done Baldur's Gate 1, uh, Dark Alliance 1 and the sequel. Can't remember the name of it. I think it's just um, Dark Alliance 2. Then I'd have said $60 for the two games with online multiplayer or, you know, maybe some enhanced graphics or whatever. I'd have bought it. Yeah. And I agree with you, but I think less people probably would. It, they probably mm-hmm. figure, ah, $30, maybe it's a little bit more, but that's probably the best price point in terms of, like, investment versus return. I'm hoping that if it's popular, maybe they add multiplayer. Me too. That'd be cool. But I'm not holding out hope. Me neither. I'm still waiting. Do you remember the review I did for Carcassonne back in the day? <laughs> Must have been like two plus years yeah. ago now. And they promised me, the, the developer promised me that they were, because I, I asked them, multiplayer's coming. Two years on, it's still not there. <laughs> so I've given up waiting. I'm giving up waiting for it. But yeah, I, I'm bummed because I really did want to stream this with you. But a part of me still wants to get it. We'll, we'll do it. You know, when I come to America, catch call oh, time. There we go. That would be great. We could play through the whole thing. We'll do it yeah. like Let's Plays. <laughs> and they'd be like, sorry, Sarah, I know you just got married, but we're busy playing Baldur's Gate. Can't play Baldur's Gate. We have a, we have a closing window here. <laughs> That's fine. I'll, I will send Sarah McCauley off for the day and we'll just beat Dark Alliance. <laughs> Real quick, just, just for shits and giggles, how long to beat... Baldur's. You could do it in a day. It's about seven hours, I think. Is it? I'm I'm sure it is. It says around twelve hours. Oh, wait, this is game rant. Where's Ooh. how long to beat? Here we go. You could still do it though. Twelve and a half hours for the main story. We could do that. That's a day. We could do. We that. get up at nine a.m. We'll just you know, Steve. Away. What if we do a twelve-hour stream where we just beat the whole game in one sitting? And we do it for charity. Um, yeah, like extra life. That's why I was trying to think of extra. Life. Yeah, I could we that. could do it. That's a day, but we yeah. could do it. We st- we'll get some cheetos. We in. start at like noon and play till midnight. <laughs> Maybe we take like a, a lunch break in the middle of the day. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> or some bathroom breaks at some point. It's gonna need to happen. Oh yeah, I mean that. That I think you just get up and break when you need to, right? And the other person can just open up the inventory and riff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we could. We should. We should make this happen. We're going to make this happen. When, whenever one of us visits the other's country. <laughs> okay. So let's jump into uh, the Nintendo. I'm sorry. It's, uh, it's monsters coming up on me. Jesus. Um, <laughs> uh, Nintendo. We've got some figures from uh, the first quarter of uh, 2021. And um, no, this is the fiscal year. And oh. that always throws me off every single time uh thank you so it's it's the end of the the way that fiscal years end is they always end in like q1 of the year um the actual it makes no sense it's ridiculous to anyone yeah but anyway um so this is this is the end of of the 2021 figures and they <laughs> they look insane these numbers are fucking ridiculous and I want to say that to preface pre- to preface them because I think sometimes if you don't follow the numbers or you're not like aware of the overall context, they can kind of feel meaningless. Um, 
Steve gave some great uh, context here for them. So they had record profits, the most that they've made at $6 billion. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, second best year for revenue at $16.6 billion. And just to clarify, if that doesn't make sense to you, right? Profit is what you've taken home after operating costs. So that $6 billion is just pure money made, money in the bank for Nintendo, whereas the other $10 billion is what it costs to run the company. Um, or, you know, 10 and change, 10.6, uh, which is insane. Like, that's that's insane um, that the second best year for revenue is one of the years where they had the least software to release and promote. Well, you can see why when you get to the Switch software, what sold. Yep. Uh, so on the hardware side of things, uh, Switch is up to 84.59 million units sold, which is, again... I think within the next year, they're going to be the way. Yeah. And that's nuts. Like, we talked about that, what, last year? We were like, oh, like, what could it do? Will it ever do Will it? it? Could it? <laughs> and, and, like, we both said yes. We agreed. But, like, I didn't think it would happen this soon. Because, yeah. like, again, like, you think about it. What, um, we're four years into the life cycle now. That means it sold what the Wii sold total in half the time? Yep. That's insane. You've also got to contextualize it against the fact that the Wii U struggled to sell 14 million units. It sold under 14 million units. It sold worse than the Dreamcast. And then we just rose from those fucking ashes. Like, let's fucking go, gang. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> We're riding this to the moon, baby. Uh, you, They must be happy about that. Uh, so then to, 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 to the uh, software side of things... Like Steve said, uh, they sold 587.1 million units. That's a lot of games. A lot of games sold. Uh, over half a billion <laughs> games sold. Wild. Um, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe came in at number one at 35.4 million copies. I don't get how there are human beings on Earth that don't own a copy of this game already, but here we are. I mean, that sells to date. So if they've sold 35.4 million to date of that piece yes, of software. right. And that's over the, what, course of four years yeah. they've been selling that Yeah, game? I mean, it came, it came now, out, what, three months after the console? Yeah. Yeah. So. Then you've got Animal Crossing New Horizons, which has sold 32.6 million copies in a year. In a year. <laughs> that's wild. That is wild. What's the attach rate on that? There's... Eight eight eighty four point five nine million. Yeah, it's almost half. It's, a, it's almost 50% of the people that <laughs> own a Switch own Animal Crossing. That's wild. Uh, and then Ring Fit uh, came in at 10 million, which is awesome to see. Like, it's still still trucking along. Still trucking along there. Yeah, I put, I put Ring Fit in there because it was interesting. The other ones all sold, you know, the heavy hitters, like yeah. Smash, Mario. They, they're in the 20 millions. But I didn't expect Ring Fit to be that far up there. It is one of the better ones. Like, that. It at 10 million, that means it's in the top 15, if not the top 10. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, it's the, it's the top ones. Um, 
And then, yeah, the final point is Nintendo's projecting a decline in profit and revenue for fiscal year 2022, which, in my eyes, means we ain't getting a new console this year. Yeah, I was going to say, that gives me pause. Uh, We've been very bullish about the idea of a Switch Pro coming, and if they don't... The, The only thing I could see is if they think they'll have a dip because of some of the stuff that we talked about, right? Where if you are going to do a Switch Pro, uh, there's a lot of costs associated with getting that up, doing marketing for it, putting it out. And we talked about um, the the report from Bloomberg uh, about how it was going to be a premium model and it was going to be aimed at premium users, and that there was only going to be... And they wouldn't have many to sell because of the ship, chip shortage. And, and if memory serves, they said that it would only be like a, like one to like two or three million, which is a very small number. Yeah. So that could be it, where you think maybe there's a lot of upfront costs of the parts and getting like a pipeline developed, marketing it, you know, creating all those marketing materials, shipping, getting it in hands, you know, acquainting uh, s- sellers with the 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 marketing materials and all that stuff like and if you can only get one to three million units out the gate that sunk cost for higher profits the following year might be the gamble that they're making but i could see that if they just predicted a decline in profit but they're also predicting a decline in revenue which i don't think they're looking to sell any of these whether they announce it and it comes out next year, you know how they did with the the original Switch, and it was announced in, what, November time, and then it was, we got it coming out in March. Yeah. Maybe they do the same thing. There is also, it's worth pointing out, um, Daniel Ahmed, uh, who we, we reference pretty re- uh, regularly, uh, he's an... A- yeah, Nico Partners. Yeah, he's a, a very well-known analyst. Um he tweeted about it and said that the p- pandemic boost is still in effect this quarter. And that's something, uh, like it says here, right? Uh, here's a breakdown of quarterly software sell. There were 54.77 million units of software sold uh, during the quarter ending March 31st, 2021, up uh, from 45.58 million units in the same uh, period last year. There have been seven games sold for every console sold. That's mad. So that that's not normal. Um, and I wonder if that's why they're predicting part of the decline is that even with new hardware, a bunch of people just bought a Switch. Are they going to then go buy a Switch Pro? Probably not. A bunch of people who are outside of their regular demographic bought a Switch and bought Animal Crossing. Are those same people going to buy it next year? Are all of those people who were buying seven games alongside a console or a higher percentage of games per year than they normally buy because they're stuck at home, are they going to do that once they're fully vaccinated and able to go to clubs or or spend time with their friends and family normally? Mm-hmm. Probably not. And I wonder if that's part of the conversation. Quite possibly. I mean, I also wonder if the Xbox and PlayStation 5 also factors into it, if they see that people have bought some of those and are anticipating buying those. That this is also, you got to think, right? PlayStation 5 is in really high demand. 
there aren't any. Mm-hmm. You got to imagine that there will be by holiday and that it'll be the best selling console this holiday rather than the Switch, which has maintained that dominance the last couple of years. Also, you have to imagine that this is the first year that those new consoles will have killer apps. Like Ratchet and Clank is coming out, um, presumably Halo, you know, like. <laughs> I don't think Halo's coming. Great assault. Um, but with those in mind, right, if they have, if these new shiny new consoles have heavy hitters coming out, and Nintendo doesn't or is lagging behind with some of those releases or whatever, you could see all those things kind of like death by a million cuts kind of chipping away. Um, so uh, let's let's keep rolling. Uh, we also got the announcement of uh, PlayStation making a new partnership with Discord um, just, you know, right after we had gotten through that conversation about them potentially selling and, and you know, deciding they wanted to maintain independence. Um, I thought this was interesting. A lot of people uh, on the web, or at least on Twitter, I saw kind of making a point I found to be really tone deaf and kind of spoke to this idea that they seemed like fanboys in my mind, um, where I saw people being like, oh, can't wait to see all the Sony fanboys backtrack now that Sony's the one making this deal instead of Microsoft. And a partnership isn't the same thing as being acquired. So no, not that's why it's different. And this is, you know, when you think Xbox has already got a level of integration with Discord anyway, um, I know it's a very small integration that shows what game you're playing on Discord. Yeah. Um, but that's not to say they couldn't expand that to have cross part, cross-platform parties in the same way that Sony's looking to do. Um, but this is good, I think. I don't know about you, but whenever I play a game with friends, I open Discord on my phone yep. and I use that instead of playing a party through Exactly, my yeah. <laughs> Which is, I, I think this is interesting. Um, it allows them to do something unique with PlayStation but not being limited to doing so. So, like, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing. Um, there was a statement from Jim Ryan over at PlayStation. He's the president and CEO, if you don't know. Um, I don't want to read the whole thing. Most of it is marketing speak, but... He said, together, our teams are already hard at work at connecting Discord with your social and gaming experience on PlayStation Network. Our goal is to bring the Discord and PlayStation experiences closer together on console and mobile starting early next year, allowing friends, groups, and communities to hang out, have fun, and communicate more easily while playing games together. That sounds cool. Um, I, I, it does sound cool. I, I, think, I think this will ultimately be a good thing uh, for users on PlayStation um, and as well as Discord, you know, to continue um, developing the ubiquity of the brand, you know? Like, Discord surged in popularity this year and, like, it being a thing that, like, you as a mainstream gamer who owns a PlayStation will see that logo every time you open up your PlayStation or whatever. Like, that's really good for Discord from a business perspective um, while maintaining independence, which is what they said they wanted to do. So... Yeah, this is cool. Um, We'll see where it goes. So um, this one I want to just touch on real quickly. We got a few more confirmed players for E3 2021. Uh, Square Enix, Gearbox, and Sega have all uh, been confirmed. There's a couple um, other ones uh, like Bandai Namco, Verizon, uh, Devious Eye Entertainment, Turtle Beach. Verizon? Yeah. They're on here twice. Well, they're just going to be plugging 5G then, aren't they? 
I mean, they own a studio, it looks like here, Verizon Freedom Games. What? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. But um, yeah, so we've got some more big players who who've decided to show up alongside, you know, the people we already knew were coming. Nintendo, Xbox, Take Two, Ubisoft, Capcom, uh, and WB. Uh, Konami backed out. But other than that, um, it's shaping up to have a decent lineup. We'll see what it ends up looking like. Um, I'm interested. I'm very cautiously interested to see what E3 2021 is going to look like. Um, but we'll be here to talk Me about too. it. Me too. I mean, I, I like uh, E3. I like the whole who brouhaha of these big events. It's I know just watching trailers is pointless, but um, I find it fun and it's something that everyone gets to talk about for a week. Definitely. Um, so before we move into our last story, which is going to make up our main topic here, I did have an email uh, that I wanted to get to. This one uh, comes from... Uh, one of our regular listeners, Mr. Zaid Ida, uh, over on the the email. So if you want to write in to me at Pete at LootPots.com, just like he did, you can. Uh, and you can also, of course, get us in a number of other ways. We've got the podcast channel over on the Discord where you can write in. Um, or you can get us on social, whatever you want to do. Um, come be a part of the show. We'd love to hear from you. So Zaid wrote in and said, hey, Pete and Steve, hope all is going well for you guys. By the time you're reading this, it'll probably be less than a week until the release of Mass Effect Legendary Edition. You're goddamn right it is. I am personally super excited for it, and it'll probably take priority over any other game in my backlog. You're damn right it should. Just a quick question for you both. What do you think of the decision from Bioware to not remake the games completely in Unreal Engine 4? I'm hoping it doesn't hinder the experience of the games, but I'm a little skeptical. Then again, I have no experience with the original trilogy. Only the critically acclaimed... Mass Effect Andromeda. That's a joke. He put it in all caps. He knows it's not critically acclaimed. Don't worry, everybody. Don't attack him. And one last question for Pete. Since you played the original trilogy, which game are you most looking forward to revisiting? Stay safe out there, and I'm glad to hear that you're both vaccinated. Warm regards, the Phantom Thieves, number one hype man, Zade. I like that he adopted that moniker, because that's what I call him every time he comes on a piece of content. <laughs> mm-hmm. Especially when it is sell- just selling Persona. Oh, he's, uh, he's Atlas's hype. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It just It's funny because there's a kid in Persona who's like their like, cheerleader and like runs the website for them or whatever. And I'm, I just clicked for me. I'm like, Zane is that kid. Like, Zane is that kid in real life. Oh, not, so that character is kind of a fuckboy, so I'm not saying that you're like him. But like in real life, you're the real life like number one Phantom Thieves stan of like, no, the Phantom Thieves are true heroes. I'm here to back them up. <laughs> uh, so thanks for writing in, Zane. Uh, love to get to talk about Mass Effect. So um, I'm not concerned about the Unreal Engine 4 of it all because the games were originally made in Unreal Engine 3. They kept them in that engine um, and and just went and like did you know some cleaning up, specifically on Mass Effect 1. And from what I've heard from journalists who've gotten hands on with it, um, like the changes, the quality of life changes that were made are basically everything I've ever asked for or wanted from that game. Because Mass Effect 1 is the only one that I feel like on a gameplay level um, doesn't hold up. So I, I, don't, I don't think that there's a reason to be concerned. I don't think it should impact the experience. I think if anything, it's going to make it so that the experience is more true to what it was like to play it originally because the games, like the things that work are unchanged. And that, that is a good thing in my mind. 
Um, in terms of which am I most looking forward to revisiting, I'm torn. I'm very interested in revisiting the original, A, because it's the one that has the most changes, but B, it's also the one that I played the longest ago, and I remember liking the story, but like feeling like when I got to two, that one had felt like it made one seem more flat when I played two because two was so dynamic and so much better, Um, even though I loved one. So I'm interested to see how much the changes to one impact my experience and my relationship to it and how I feel about it when I talk about it as an experience. Because Mass Effect 1 is the one that I... Like, when I recommend the series, I'm like, you really need to start at 1 if you want the full experience, but there are things about that game that are not good. So, like, it's a very much an experience I recommend with caveats. Whereas, like, 2 and 3 I recommend without reservation. I mean, the ending of Mass Effect 3 is controversial, but I don't think it's... I don't think it should be controversial. It's not great, but it's it's a oh it's a su- no spoilers. No, uh, I don't want to know because I'm planning on playing. I'm not going to talk about yeah. That's that's all I'll say. Um, but in terms of like which game is my favorite of the three, it's two. So I am most excited to play that one like stem to stern again because I love the story of two okay. the most, um, and I think it has the best group of companions. My favorite companions are all in two, um, except Liara. Liara is great, and she's not in that one. But, uh, uh, so those two for different reasons. And also, I guess I'm just saying I'm excited to play all of them. I'm excited to play three again, uh, with the, the new ending. Cause I never played the, the new ending, um, that they, Oh, they changed the ending. I didn't know that. They didn't change it as much as they added scenes that add context and that give you more closure, which I think made people okay. feel better about it. Is that why people was controversial? It's hard for me to talk about why it's controversial without okay. spoiling it okay. for you, so, so we'll, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think these games would have existed if, um, or this remastered collection would have existed if they had to remake them all in Unreal Engine yeah. 4 or 5. There's just no way that someone's going to spend that much time and money to remake these games when there's already an existing engine that probably looks great anyway. You know, they can still add those embellishments of... 4K assets, 120 and FPS, and 120 FPS, and all those enhancements, and also make the tweaks to um, uh, quality of life improvements that you've mentioned. Uh, so I'm looking forward to playing them. I don't know if it'll be this week; might be next week. Um, but I'm I'm looking forward to playing them. I'm looking forward to hearing what you think about them as well, and whether it's worth getting the collection or whether I should just play the backwards compatible version. I but I'm going to probably get the collection. I think it's going to be. I, I'm pretty confident saying that it's worth getting the collection, even if you have the originals, based on specifically what I read. Like Kat Bailey, uh, who's over at IGN now, formerly of US Gamer, she did some reporting on it um, early on, and, and the way that she talked about it made it seem like very worth the the price of admission, I would say. So uh, I really hope you pick it up on Friday. I would love to be able to talk to you about it next week. If you don't, you don't. That's okay. Um trying not to pressure you. I want you to get there on your own. But uh, I, I'm like low-key thinking about taking the day off from work so I can just wow, okay. fucking sit and play Mass Effect 1 for a couple hours. and Because uh, the opening to that game is pretty long. Um, and it's not like a tutorial. It's just like there's a lot of stuff that happens before your character. Is it as long as Cyberpunk's 
prologue because fuck me that went on forever it's hard for me to say because when i played the game the first time it took me a few months to get through the beginning so okay but was it seven hours because that's no it's definitely not that that long i think it's It's oh my god i think it's more like two to three hours and then you hit a point that's fine yeah and then you hit a point and and it's not like you're not doing things during that time it's just the game starts off on the citadel which is like the central hub of the galaxy and you spend the first hour or two there meeting some of your first group of companions and kind of getting set up and then the game hits a point where like you get your ship and it like le- lets you go and you're able to go explore the galaxy um so there's like a little bit of i mean that kind of sounds like the opening of the outer world yeah it's a lot like that where you're like here's the place where you start now you're free go ahead you get the systems now go um i can live with that yeah i don't think it's bad at all uh it's slow compared to the rest of the game though so grain of salt so for me i want to i think i want to like play through that and then be able to like get to get it done and get to yeah. like the first big mission that night and be like, is there, is there no like skip past this? I played Mass Effect before. No, because it is story stuff. Right. Um, like the this isn't really a spoiler. The the setup is that like you, Commander Shepard, are the first human who's being considered for the Spectre program, which is basically like the Secret Service, like CIA, like whatever of the Council which is the group of, uh, like, each, each... The way that it works is there's all these species in the galaxy and certain certain planets and the races that live there are, like, leaders on the council because they were, like, founding members. Um, okay. Humans only joined the council, like, fairly recently. So, like, we're kind of an upstart race and everyone's like, oh, those humans, like, they're, they're real go-getters. Um, so you get this opportunity... <laughs> To be wait till they find out the rules come back. Yeah. And then they well, a lot of a lot of them feel that way. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, you're the first human who's invited to participate a- as part of this program. And the first two hours are you on the Citadel, kind of going through some of the politics of like going and making the case for why you should get to be it. And and some people are like, no, fuck them, and like whatever. So it's like there's like a lot of stuff that kind of like. It sets up the villain and it sets up, you know, oh, you meet this character who joins your crew and you meet this other character who joins your crew. Mm-hmm. And like, it's all good stuff. It's just a little bit more like running through a lot of hallways and taking elevators and stuff. And then later on, it's like, okay, I'm I'm exploring the galaxy. Like, I'm going and doing... I'm outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like you get through the political stuff and then it's kind of like, let's go. Um. So yeah, I'm really excited for that. Uh, all right, so let's jump into our main topic. Um, there is an update, a lot of updates on the uh, the Epic Games v. Apple case, and uh, it's gotten it's gotten weird. It's gone to some weird fucking places. Some of the quotes coming out from it, some of the lack of understanding of how video games work from some of the. Uh, Oh my god, yeah. Like, Tim Sweeney having to identify all of the consoles. Yes, this is a PlayStation 5. Because you know how they have to ask questions and, and get, like, the defendants uh, to answer? It's like, can you identify what this is? Yes, that's a PlayStation 5. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Okay, then. The funniest, like, like um, uh, argument that Apple bought against uh, Epic, though, was, like, they can't even run a store properly. Their top 20 games has 25 games in the list. And you go on the Epic Game Store and there's 25 on the list. It's so funny. It's really funny. 
Uh, I think my favorite <laughs> one was when someone asked, I think it was one of the lawyers asked Microsoft's representative about Xbox, and they're like, well, do you mean Xbox, the gaming console, or Xbox, the cloud suite of, and, and the person was just like, what? Like, I don't, what does that mean? <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> Uh, I mean, Xbox branding is a mess, though, right? It's like, who knows what what you're on about? Yeah, it's like very much like if you're not like a fucking like real inside baseball dork, it's super hard to understand. Like, I feel very clear on it, but like I read about this shit all the time and like inundate myself with it, you know? Like, I can't imagine like being like a middle aged parent who like doesn't care about video games and you're like, the kid wants an Xbox. And then you're like, what the fuck? Like, what the fuck does that? There's like eight options. <laughs> uh, for all for all the things I'll say negatively about Apple, that's something that they have. Da- oh, you want an iPhone? Cool. Here, we've got two sizes, <laughs> big or small. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, there, there's a bunch of a bunch of interesting headlines that kind of came out of this. Um, one of the first ones was something that was apparently. Uh, highly confidential and for attorney's eyes only and we see how well that worked out it was this was not meant to be revealed to the public it got unsealed by mistake by the court and uh, then uh, epic and apple both requested it got resealed and the judge said well it's already been unsealed everyone's seen it anyway so i don't see any point and just let left it stay online insane and that's where it is now yeah so um there is a bunch of information here like from Epic and, you know, like uh, plans for Fortnite and, you know, like just a bunch of, a bunch of interesting things. And, you know, the biggest um, takeaway was that uh, it appears as if um, there were, there were plans to include uh, Samus from Metroid as a character in Fortnite the same way mm-hmm. uh, as Master Chief was included. And was Kratos in there at some point? I think Kratos is in there now? He might currently? I think I think yeah. him and Aloy are both in it right now, right? Oh, Aloy. So it's the PlayStation go at the moment. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's both. But they wanted all three of them in there at once. They wanted Master Chief, Kratos, and Salus in there, and that was going to be like the big pool. And they would each be on there for the respective platforms so that you would play on Xbox, you would play as Master Chief, you play on PlayStation, you play as Kratos. Play on Switch, you get to play Samus. Which is, I mean, would have been really cool. Um, mm-hmm. Well, it's Metroid, so it's never going to happen. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Maybe it will still happen, but I have a hard time understanding why... Like, why Nintendo wouldn't want that? You know? Like, it mm-hmm. seems like a big opportunity for you to, like, put over one of your, like, IP that has brand recognition, but is, you know, it's obviously not as popular. Some of the other... F- yeah, I can... I, and I can also understand that Microsoft had an upcoming Halo game. PlayStation had announced a God of War game. Nintendo might not want to advertise a game that's not coming. You think coming maybe they're holding it? They don't know when it's coming. They could possibly be holding it, yeah. I and mean, there's a bunch of interesting was, stuff in this document. I was going to say, there. the other characters like, on this list are wild. Like Naruto, yeah. uh, Katniss from uh, Hunger Games, The Bride from uh, Kill Bill. 
Snake Pliskin from Escape from New York, who's also the character that Solid Snake is built on. Fucking John McClane. <laughs> and like and then there's the whole basketball player thing and they're gonna be like an in-game basketball game with um Zion and LeBron James. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really crazy. Um and like they talk about how like the Travis Scott World Tour was the largest transmedia event ever. It put him on the top of the charts on like every major music provider. Like mm-hmm. it's insane. It's it's and then they were meant to then do that with like a bunch of others, Ariana Grande, Lady Gaga, yeah. but they never happened. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I, I imagine it'll probably happen again later. The Marvel, the Marvel thing, how much money that made as well. Like it shows that that IP collaboration made them the most mm-hmm. money. It was by a lot. For, Not surprising yeah, by a long shot. And then second behind that, Star Wars. <laughs> so it's like Disney made a little bit of cash out of oh, Fortnite. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is cool. I mean, shit, like, whatever. Like, you know, I, I know Fortnite's an easy target. It's the biggest game in the world. Everybody likes to talk shit, but um, these brands are smart to get in on the ground floor and be involved because it's a great way to ingratiate a new generation of kids into whatever the thing is that you make. Absolutely. I mean, the judge did have some pause, though, this week. Um, so there was, like, a, a whole thing about the... The case that Epic's bringing against Apple if, in terms of what Tim Sweeney keeps saying is about friction and they want to limit friction in terms of having your card details stored so you can buy uh, uh, V-Bucks on one platform and use them on another platform without having to use Apple's in-app thing. Really, it's about they don't want to give Apple 30% yeah. of the, the cut. I'm sure it's both. But the judge said, Apple has said, there is an alternative though. You can go to Epic's website. You can buy it on there and then they'll work within our the app on our phone and they'll work on your xbox or your playstation or whatever tim sweeney said well that adds friction we want to limit the friction so it becomes an impulse purchase the judge said well most of your customers and clients are children shouldn't it be a good thing there's a little bit of friction so they don't just like buy all these v bucks and then impulsively purchase these things which can rack up bills for their parents yeah. and tim sweeney didn't really have a rea- like retort to come back to that because that's actually a really good like argument it's like yeah these are kids playing these games and then they shouldn't be able to just buy things willy-nilly yeah um which is fair i i i do take issue with that a little bit like i definitely um i i don't know i think the argument about that kind of thing is complex because i definitely think like when you get into like some of the uh like in Jason's book, actually, there was a converse, There's a chapter about about Mythic and everything, and they talk about how some of the mobile devs at the dawn of mobile and free to play with microtransactions and stuff, uh, they were like hiring psychologists to find out ways to keep people addicted and da 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 da. That kind of stuff, I definitely think, should be illegal. Um, but I I do mm-hmm. take issue with this idea that it's like somehow Tim Sweeney and Epic's responsibility to make sure that your kid doesn't spend a bunch of money on your phone. Like a, why does your kid have a phone then? Or B don't allow your child to have unrestricted, unsupervised access to your cell phone where your credit card is connected. Like I, I, I think it's clear. I hope I don't have to qualify this, but if you're a new listener or whatever, like I am not here to defend corporations. I am not here to defend billionaires, but like, 
I think personal responsibility has to come in at some point. Like it shouldn't be on the the people who make video games to like account no, for I, how I your children agree. spend yeah. your money. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree with you, but it does completely negate Epic's argument of this is all about friction when there probably should be some in there anyway. Um, even if you're say yeah. addicted, you're like an uh, an addict. And you're buying these things when you shouldn't be. Um, there really should be some protections in place, especially when it comes to loot crates. Yeah, and I guess that's fair, but like, I don't think that I don't think it throws out Tim, Tim Sweeney's argument because how is like, oh, like there's friction because rather than being able to do it through Apple Store, you have to go to Epic's. Like, that's not a good. That's not a good solution to that. Like, if we're agreeing that that's a problem. Being that, oh, well, it's a little bit more inconvenient to buy from Apple and they take a cut. So that's somehow a solution. Like, no, it's not. Like, it isn't. That doesn't alleviate the problem. That doesn't make it better on people who are addicts. It just means that they could only spend the money on Apple's platform. So if you're a Fortnite player who's addicted... Well, no, Apple let you spend spend the money on other platforms. The only platform that wouldn't let you spend the money that you bought on another platform was PlayStation. So I, I'm sorry that I don't. I guess I'm not understanding. I thought that the whole point so, was that. So Tim Sweeney's argument is we don't want to give Apple thirty percent, and the only alternative Apple will let us have is you have to open a web browser, go to a website, and load up coins that way. Right, right. That's that's my point, though. Right, like how does that doesn't add a step for anybody? It just, you know what I mean? Like it, it it's that's not a solution to the problem. Apple just gets a cut. No, Apple won't get a cut if they open the web no, browser. No, no, They do if they do it in the I'm game. I'm with you now. I'm saying that if they do it in the game, like that, the, the, his whole argument is we want to remove friction, right? You're not, mm-hmm. like, it's not any more, it's literally just Apple getting the cut. Like, there, there is no difference, really, materially. Mm-hmm. So, like, the argument that, well, a big portion of your users are children, so shouldn't there be more friction? There isn't more friction, right? Like, so I guess to your point, maybe that does dissuade his argument because whatever, like it's just as streamlined, but I don't feel like the retort to that actually makes any sense either because I could still just go and immediately buy V-Bucks on the app. So what's the difference? If the whole point is, oh, kids shouldn't be able to spend the money, well, they can. I, I mean, I, I agree with you, and, I, and I'm interested to see where this goes. I mean, I have a stake in the game. I make apps for a living, and if I don't have to give 30% to Apple, then That would great. be great. But um, we'll see how it goes. I, I disagree with how Epic went about this in many, many yeah. ways. They shouldn't have just broken the rules and breached their contract, which is what they did, which is why Apple kicked them off the store by adding in their own um back door essentially they just flipped a switch server side and said now you can buy with your own credit card rather than having to go through the app yeah. store and that was a real shitty thing to do <laughs> uh, and then the whole free Fortnite campaign just did not sit well with me it's like oh look a multi-million dollar corporation fighting for uh freedom for their most popular yeah. game in the world it's like okay and and you know i made the point last time we talked about this of like i i can understand why people are positioning them as the good guy because if this works and every developer on the app store gets a better percentage cut then i mean hell yeah like they did they did a good thing a net positive thing and just because they benefit from it doesn't mean that that's not true um but it Mm -hmm. does 
contextualize it. And that's important, right? Like it's not, it's not through altruism. They want to make more money. And if they can use making other people money as part of their PR blitz for that, well, hey, that's just, that's just good business, right? Um, so I'm not sitting here painting them as nice guys, why, why Apple are villains, but I get why one might, um, especially if you stand to gain something from them winning the court case, which you know every developer on the App Store does. Um, so this was interesting too. We also learned that uh, Sony charges Epic for crossplay, and they are the only publisher to do that, which I thought was very interesting. Um, it's absolutely disgusting and disgraceful. Yeah, and well, that they, that and they I mean, do. it also it makes it interesting, right? Because you said the thing about how uh, Epic shouldn't have done this and whatever, and it's like exactly the same thing they did to get crossplay on PlayStation, where they flipped the switch and they're they're bull- They they really come across as bullies. It's yeah. like we know we have the most valuable game on the planet, and they think everyone's going to blink first. In Sony's case, they came to an arrangement where Sony gets a bit of cash for the crossplay. In Apple's case, they didn't expect Apple to kick off one of the most lucrative games and profit makers for Apple from the App Store, but Apple called their bluff and said, no, fuck you. You broke our rules. Off and, you go. and my thing is, I think you're right that they come off as bullies, but I also, like, I don't feel bad because, like, they're bullying multi-fucking-billion dollars. They're bullying Apple. Yeah, they're yeah, bullying I Apple and PlayStation. They're bullying PlayStation into doing the Yeah, right into thing. doing something that's pro-consumer or, or pro... At the moment, yeah. yeah. But what happens when they take this stance and they use their power and their might for something that's not great for the consumer? And, and you're right. That is the concern, which is why I'm not going to sit here and be like, rah, rah, epic, but also... I would say when they do that, that's when we fucking tear them down. As long as, mm. as, long as they're doing things that are helping margins for developers or getting you a better deal as a consumer. Like, you know, like, if you're going to bully, all right, yeah, fucking bully Apple then. Bully them down to 15%. Why not? Like, (laughs) fuck them, right? Like, who cares? Like, if if we're going to watch the billionaires eat each other, I can get behind that. (laughs) Um, And then we also got... uh, um, Something interesting here where Microsoft's uh, witness, who they called Lori Wright, um, claims that Microsoft never made profit from Xbox hardware. Can you contextualize this yeah, for me? I mean, what does that mean? So um, the, the witness got called and they were talking about um, they were talking about like how iOS makes money and stuff and, and how Microsoft makes money. And so um, uh, the the lawyer said, does the Xbox store compete for transactions with the Apple App Store? No, right, said. If you want to buy a game on iOS, wonderful. Comparatively, if you're buying for the PlayStation, you're buying games from Sony. Uh, and that's taken away from the odds you'll spend money on Xbox. Uh, the lawyer then pointed to Minecraft, which was acquired by Microsoft as an example of Mi- uh, Microsoft encouraging cross-platform. Um, and just she could not understand it, that Microsoft was losing money on xboxes uh and the sale of of xboxes um which is just mad it's like they make no money and she really wanted to understand how they were making money and the apples uh apple was like basically saying well if you're not making money through hardware in the way that apple does then you're you're competing with apple as a store which is the only reason you're here backing up epic is because you want them to be on the store and, and making money Interesting. That's very interesting. 
Like Microsoft is very much firmly on Epic's side because they feel a bit burnt about xCloud being kicked off of the App Store and not being allowed on the App Store. Yeah. And it makes no sense that Roblox has been brought up this week as well because that allows you to download games within the game. Like That's 100% what Roblox yeah, right. is. Um, and in this instance... Roblox like sent Roblox was blocked from the App Store. They sent an email saying, "Oh well, we'll only allow new games into the Roblox Store by submitting it to Apple." Apple never replied to the email, so they were just allowed to carry on going <laughs> as if they wanted as if they wanted to, just because of like an admin oversight. That's funny. Wow, yeah, that's fascinating. It's so fascinating how many unrelated things are coming out of this. Love mm-hmm. cases like this. It's so interesting. Like we never like I love getting to see these like internal documents and stuff. It's like oh my god! Oh, the internal documents it's are so fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, they really are. There was a bunch of Apple stuff that came out as well from the discovery on the other side about how how they do um, the like a- a- the review of the apps because it was like, well, how did Epic get this through the App Store? If you review your apps and you actually do a good job at re- reviewing things, <laughs> surely they shouldn't have been able to get it on the store. Um, and there's like a whole series of criteria that they do it. They give each app a trustworthiness score based on like automated processes and people that have gone through to either reject it or allow it. It's absolutely fascinating how, how they do everything. Yeah. And, and these are the things that like on our side of the fence, like you can only ever speculate about. So when you get these drip feedings, it's like, it's very interesting. Um, yeah, I think this is the first time that Microsoft has confirmed they've never made a cent from Xbox hardware that's always been sold yep. at a loss. And we've known that Sony's done that for years, and we know that, that Nintendo always makes a profit. They never sell anything at a loss from their yep. hardware. But yeah, this is the first time that Microsoft has confirmed that that's also the case for them. And and we know how they make their money, and, and uh, Laurie Wright explained that to the judge. It's basically through hard, software right. sales. And, services. In Microsoft's case, services. Right. Uh, and then we also got a little bit of information here about uh, more from the uh, Microsoft side of things that Epic apparently pushed Microsoft in 2020 to drop the gold requirement for uh, free-to-play games. Um, and they actually had an email mm-hmm. between Phil and Tim um, that you that leaked. I'm so annoyed the emails are like blocked out. I was going to like write Phil an email and say, do you want to come right? on the show? Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's it's just interesting, like, you wonder, like, did that play into them wanting to get rid of gold? Like, you know, you you start asking all those questions. Um, and kind of the last thing that I that I thought was interesting was um, Apple trying to like use uh, Itchio like against Epic uh, because it has like offensive games, sexualized games, all these things, and. That was that really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, this like platform that is like one of the easiest free bastions for like putting things out, and like Apple's trying to like demonize it because specifically Epic Games host it as an app on their Epic Games launcher now, so you can store Itchio games through the Epic Games really? launcher. Really, I didn't know that. That's only interesting. did that. Yeah, that happened like two weeks ago, right before this case kicked off, and people think they did it just to like bolster this, to say like, look, we're free and open as well, look how cool we are. Um, And then like, they picked out a bunch of um, things they couldn't even talk about, apparently, that were just uh, 
uh, too offensive and sexualized that they were just unspeakable in the courtroom that they couldn't possibly utter what they were. And um, I did like Itchio's response on Twitter though. <laughs> did no, you no. Say, guys, Apple's lawyers just cool. They said we need to turn off all the games. Games are now <laughs> illegal. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. Oh uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm sure there's going to be more to come out of this one. Uh, we'll keep updating you as it develops, but um, certainly an interesting and ongoing story that um, it's got juice. It's definitely got juice. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see where it goes and and what the ultimate fallout from it is. You know, um, like what is this going to mean for independent uh, development? What is this going to mean for um, you know the the biggest players in the space? Um, a couple of them anyway. Uh, so yeah, keep it tuned. We'll keep updating you as the updates come. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for joining us here in another episode of the Potscast. Uh, this is a, a long one, but a good one. I feel good about this one. So I hope you guys had a good time. Uh, make sure you write in and let us know what you thought about any of the stories we talked about this week, any of the games we've been playing. Um, if you want to share your thoughts, you can of course hit me up at peteatlupots.com, just like Zay did in our mail pot segment. Thanks again. Uh, you can hit us up on the discord, um, come share your thoughts. Come talk to us. Let us know what you're thinking about these stories and um, or what you'd like to see us talk about next week. Um, of course, go over to the Twitch channel. This Thursday, we'll be back with some more gaming. Don't know what we'll be playing, but we'll be there playing. So go check it out. Um, you can get on the YouTube channel. Don't forget, tomorrow, I'll have my review of Press Reset by Jason Schreier. Thanks again to Jason and to, um, you just said their name before. I want to say Grand Rapids. Grand, Grand Central, Central Publishing. Publishing. Thank you. Uh, for giving me the advanced copy. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, check it out. Show your support. You know where to go and do the internet stuff. We'll catch you next week for another episode of the Potscast.